0: So if you could uh, be in prayer for me today, I had a cough all week and I've started to lose my voice today, so I had a student teach Sunday school for me and they did a great job, so thank you for that. And uh, actually, when I walked into the office, I was a little worried because Pastor Chuck told me that he had a dream that uh, I was too sick to come in and Bert Sewell was going to preach for me. Now, unfortunately, Pastor Chuck seems to not have the gift of prophecy because Bert is not here. So you are stuck with me today. But if you could just pray that my voice will continue uh, to make it through, that would be much appreciated as we study the book of Hosea today. Well, let's pray as we start out. Dear God, today we lift you up as our God and as The mighty and just. While at the same time you exhibit such mercy and grace that we rely on. And help us to remember these attributes as we continue our study of Hosea. Allow us to learn more about you, about ourselves, and apply that knowledge into our lives with wisdom. We confess that often we are like the Israelites in the worst ways and in some of the ways that we'll study today. So we thank you for your son and his work on the cross, and even though we didn't deserve it, just the the freedom that he gives us and the opportunity to have fellowship with you, and we thank you in his name. Amen. So we will be in the book of Hosea, chapter 4 today, and as we get into chapter 4, we are moving into the second part of the book of Hosea. Chapters 1 through 3 are sort of this, the life of Hosea, this analogy of God's plan and Israel's story lived out through Hosea and his marriage. And so we have this idea of covenant that is exemplified in Hosea's life through his marriage to Gomer and through the story of Israel, which it's an analogy for this covenant that the Israelites made at Mount Sinai with God. Then we move to this betrayal, and in Hosea's life with Gomer, this adultery, and she leaves him. And in the story of the Israelites, the Baal worship and the worship of the Canaanite gods, even back to the the golden calf at Mount Sinai. And then we get the good news of Hosea, and the the story of restoration, and Hosea buys back Gomer and makes things right. And, And with the story of Israel, we look forward to Jesus' first coming and also his second coming, and, and that making things right, restoring that covenant. And so those first three chapters give us a good overview of the book of Hosea, and, and Hosea's life lived out shows us an example of what's going to happen in Israel. Now in the second part of the book, we will start to get into a little bit of the nitty-gritty and see exactly what Israel's betrayal looked like, and what the consequences will be. And it gets a little uh, hard reading, heavy reading. There's a lot of um, sadness and hard things in this, in this chapters of the book. And so we're going to uh, read chapter 4, all of it together. I will read all of it. You can look at it. Please turn there if you're not there. Hosea chapter 4. Hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel, for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love and no knowledge of God in the land. There is swearing, lying, murder, stealing, and committing adultery. They break all bonds and bloodshed follows bloodshed. Therefore, the land mourns and all who dwell in it languish. And also the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens and even the fish of the sea are taken away. Yet let no one contend and let no, none accuse, for with you is my contention, O priest. You shall stumble by day, the prophet also shall stumble with you by night, and I will destroy your mother. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I reject you from being a priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law of your God... I also will forget your children. The more they increased, the more they sinned against me, and I will change their glory into shame. They feed on the sin of my people. They are greedy for their iniquity, and it shall be like people, like priests. I will punish them for their ways and repay them for their deeds. They shall eat, but not be satisfied. They shall play the whore, but not multiply. Because they have forsaken the Lord... "'To cherish whoredom, wine, and new wine, which take away the understanding. "'My people inquire of a piece of wood, and their walking staff gives them oracles. "'For a spirit of whoredom has led them astray, and they have left their God to play the whore. "'They sacrifice on the tops of mountains and burn offerings on the hills under oak, poplar, and terebinth, because their shade is good. "'Therefore your daughters play the whore, and your brides commit adultery.' I will not punish your daughters when they play the whore, nor your brides when they commit adultery, for the men themselves go aside with prostitutes and sacrifice with cult prostitutes, and a people without understanding shall come to ruin. Though you play the whore, O Israel, let not Judah become guilty. Enter not into Gilgal, nor go up to Bethaven, and swear not, as the Lord lives. Like a stubborn heifer, Israel is stubborn. Can the Lord now feed them like a lamb in a broad pasture? Ephraim is joined to idols, leave him alone. When their drink is gone, they give themselves to whoring. Their rulers dearly love shame. A wind has wrapped them in its wings, and they shall be ashamed because of their sacrifices. Now, all in all, this is not exactly the most uplifting or positive of chapters. We see uh, many, many issues that are plaguing the people of Israel. Uh, Just to name a few, there's, there's rampant idolatry, stubbornness, There's hypocrites, the men judging the women for committing adultery while they go and do the same. There's a corrupt priesthood that is infecting the entire nation. And all of these things Hosea is pointing out to them. Now today we're just going to really focus on two things of where the nation of Israel has failed. And the first area that we really see as a root of, of these problems is Israel has A lack of knowledge. Israel has forgotten the knowledge that they once had about God and who he is and what that means to them. They have forgotten what makes them the people of God and what makes them the nation of Israel. So we're going to look at three areas specifically where they have lost this knowledge. In verse 1, the first word that we see is hear. It says, hear the word of the Lord. Now, we're going to spend a bit more time on this as we get further into the sermon. Uh, but just really briefly, I wanted to say when, when Hebrews heard the word hear, it meant more than just use your ears to listen. There is a requirement of a response. This doesn't just mean listen, respond here as well. Israel, you need to hear the word of the Lord and do something. And we'll talk more about that as we, as we get later into the sermon. I also want to just bring up the idea, this picture here uh, in verse 1, it says, for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. In the NIV it says charge. This idea, it's bringing up a courtroom picture here. We have God on one side of the courtroom with a charge against the people of Israel on the other side and in the middle, the thing that is the problem is this broken covenant. And so we're going to Look at these first three ways in which the Israelites have lost knowledge as a charge that God has against them. And the first charge, the first complaint that God brings against the people of Israel is that they have forgotten knowledge of God's attributes. When you read the Bible, you look at Israel as a nation, they have seen and experienced much with God. Uh, from Abraham down, you have um, miracles and blessings. Moses leading them out of Egypt. The Red Sea splitting. All of these things that they have experienced and seen in their history that should help them to have this knowledge of who God is. They should have a fairly clear picture of that. And yet in verse 1, it says that there is no faithfulness or steadfast. Love And when we read the Old Testament, we see these attributes of God in innumerable amount of time. He is faithful. He does exhibit steadfast love. And yet Israel here in the book of Hosea fails to remember and fails to respond. They don't hear and remember about who God is and his attributes. And the second charge that God brings to the people of Israel is they have forgotten the knowledge of God's words. In verse 2, we see a list of five things that happen. There is swearing, lying, murder, stealing, and committing adultery. And these things happen so often in the nation of Israel that Hosea specifically brings these five things up. Now, if you are a a biblical scholar, even uh, not a very... Experienced biblical scholar, you may have heard of the Ten Commandments. And these five sins are direct opposites to five of the Ten Commandments. Israel has forgotten these basic tenets of faith. And sin is so prevalent that the author here uses these sins to exemplify the nation. They have forgotten the words and the commands of God that they were given during the covenant. Hosea calls them out and says, hey, you've forgotten these things. And they ignore it. And we see that they've continued down this path. And it gets to the point that in verse 3 it says, even the land mourns. The beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and even the fish of the sea are taken away. The consequences for this forgotten knowledge is that bloodshed follows bloodshed. Now we see is the third charge that God brings against his people is that they have forgotten God's plan, both his past plan for the nation of Israel and what he wants for them in the future. The plan was that the nation of Israel would be set apart, would be the thing that exemplified God in this world. And so when people would look at the nation of Israel, they would see, hey, they're different Something's different about them. What makes them different? Oh, it's God, right? And so they were supposed to bless the world through them. That was the plan. And instead, we see in verses 16 through 19 that they are, as a nation, like a stubborn cow. I don't know how many of you work with animals. I assume a cow can be pretty stubborn and not move when it doesn't want to move. Um, It does not respond to its master, Instead of following the plan of what God wanted the nation of Israel to be and pointing people down the path to righteousness and to Christ-likeness, they have become a hindrance. They block that path. They have forgotten the plan. It says that they will be left alone in verse 17 and they will be swept aside in verse 19 because of this lack of knowledge of the plan. Now, they've lost sight of God's plan for what their nation was to be, but they've also lost sight of the plan for how they were supposed to pass knowledge of who God is down to the next generations. If you will turn with me to Deuteronomy 6, verses 1 through 9, we will read. And um, this is a passage, got to find Deuteronomy, um, that many of you will have heard at some point, at least parts of it. It's just, this is the plan for how God wanted Israel to pass on knowledge of who he was. It's called the Shema. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God and your son and your son's son by keeping all of his statutes and his commandments Which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in the land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And again, remember that here calls them to something more than just to listen. So there's life change with all their heart and soul they love the Lord. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Again, this is called the Shema. It's the word, the Hebrew word for hear. And this idea of hear and obey. And it's something that the Israelites were supposed to do daily. These were daily prayers. Daily things that they were supposed to remind themselves of. And it even tells them in this passage how to pass it on. From son to son to your next generation. Talk about it Daily. And so this idea of generations supposed to be passing it on to the next generation has been forgotten by the Israelites. Okay, They may have heard the words, but they're missing the obedience part, and obey is a key part, and it's missing here. God doesn't want these just to be words that they say for the nation of Israel, but it is words that become a part of who they are. It's not just the work of our ears, but our heart as well. So Israel is being called out here. Hosea is calling them out for these three things. You have forgotten my attributes, God's words, and the plan of God, both past and what you should be communicating, and also in the future what you should be. And that is a blessing. Now I want to stop a second and just take a second to compare us to the nation of Israel, because I feel like it can be pretty easy to judge. When we read the chapter, a lot of the words... And things that the Israelites were doing are not things that um, I would often say, oh yeah, that, that exemplifies my life. And so it can be easy for us to judge. We're not going off and committing adultery or worshiping on a mountain. However, in my own life, have I not doubted God in an area talked about in Scripture or I have seen Him work before? Have I not forgotten His words? Do I not act in a way that fails to mirror God's attributes? And do I not forget the plan of what is to come and what I am to do in the meantime? And I think those charges God could bring against us as well. And so even though we will, and we'll, we'll talk more about the Israelites and how they've sinned, even though maybe we don't line up with these sins, I think these charges really do apply to us as well. And I think, in a way, we have even less of an excuse than the nation of Israel. Yes, they had personal experience and history of which to talk about, but we also have the Bible. We have Scripture to read. We have the body of Christ to encourage and to fill us in and to write good Christian literature that we can gain insight from, and yet we continue to forget. And we have also this forgotten knowledge We look to many other things before we look to God. Partly because we forget. Now, in the case of Israel, this lack of knowledge leads to poor worship. we see this poor worship in verses 4 through 14. And a large chunk of this is talking specifically to the priests. Because these priests, excuse me, have a special role in the... um, plan of God and yet they fail worse or as bad as the nation of Israel they should be better they have this relationship with God they're the ones who can at times go into the holy of holies and yet they too it says in verse 6 have rejected the knowledge of God and there will be consequences for them And so this lack of knowledge in general in the nation of Israel and this lack of leadership that we read about leads to idolatry for the nation of Israel. And they replace God with man-made things. Talks about them going up onto the mountains and these high places to worship and that's where the Canaanite pagans worshipped their gods. And so Israel is bought into that and has become like the Canaanites. And it says that they're worshiping and, and speaking and getting oracles from their walking stick. That's, that's even worse than getting oracles from Pastor Chuck's dreams, right? At least, at least he is connected to God. But these Israelites are going and expecting their walking staff to give them insight. They go up and expect their, their worship of these man-made things to yield good results, now, this isn't a new thing for the nation of Israel. The book of Judges is an entire story of all of these cycles of Israelites worshiping idols, paying the consequences, asking for God's help and being saved, and then starting the whole process over again. In, in Isaiah, one time, he talks about how you cut down a tree and you use half of it to burn so you can cook your bread, and the other half of it you turn into an idol. And so, this idea of, man, did I even... Burn the right half, or did I burn the half that was supposed to be divine? And so, this isn't a new thing. And Hosea and the Lord are trying to call to account the Israelites because of their idolatry. Now, we again see the word whoredom and whore used here quite a bit in this passage. And I know Pastor Chuck has talked about this a little bit. It is a powerful picture that is being brought up here when talking about the nation of Israel because it brings up the picture and it makes us think of marriage. It makes us think of the covenant that was made between God and Israel, a covenant that was broken by a group of people, by a nation that choose to ignore the consequences and instead focus on the temporary pleasure that they can gain from their idolatry. They have, Israel has become the adulterous spouse with no remorse, reveling in their sin and idolatry, or adultery, excuse me. In this case, the pleasure that they were pursuing that was so tempting was a physical one. They were going to call prostitutes, which was a common thing among idol worship. Their worship, the Israelites' worship, was faulty not only because it was misdirected, They were, yes, worshipping the wrong gods, but not only was it just misdirected, also the way in which they worshipped was sin. And so their lack of knowledge leads them to poor worship that manifests itself in idolatry and sin. And so these two things exemplify their worship as opposed to the appropriate worship of God and who he is. Now, after reading chapter 4 and after studying, I was struck again By the failings of humankind, but also by the grace and mercy of God. Because if you were to just read chapter 4, it would be really depressing. There is not much to lift up as, yes, something good is going to happen, but we have the benefit, we have the opportunity to remember what we just read in chapter 2. There will be justice and wrath. And it will be painful. And yet God is A God who will redeem, he will restore, and he will relate again to his people. And so it helps me to say, yes, mankind, humankind is terrible. And we see that this is what the nation of Israel has become. And yet we serve a God that is not that way. He is a God who wants the best for us. And he knows that that isn't idolatry or temporary pleasures. So how do we apply a chapter like this to ourselves. It's about a specific time, a specific group with specific sins. And there's are sins that in, in some ways don't represent us. I don't wake up on my day off and find Mount Des Moines and climb up it and, and talk to my staff. Yet, of course, there is much that we can learn to apply even though this is to a specific people. First of all, we learn about God, right? We learn that God is just there will be consequences for actions. He is jealous. He wants his people to love him, and he knows that that's best for them. He is gracious and merciful because we know that he will redeem. We also see that there are things that we as a body of Christ should apply. We should pass down knowledge of God through word and deed. Now, when we read Deuteronomy, we saw that God wants the generations, to pass down the knowledge of him. And we are in a church, we are in a body of Christ that has a lot of different generations in it, and that's a good thing. But if we only pass down the words of God and we fail in the actions of God or in emulating God, we fail. James tells us that we need to be hearers and doers of the word. And Israel certainly failed in that, and I know that at times I do, and I think we do as well. We fail in being hearers and doers. We fail in modeling through words and deeds to younger generations. Do we model the truths that we say about God? Do we exhibit love and faithfulness? Or would the charge against the Israelites apply to us as well? Do we not exhibit love and faithfulness? Now this passage, though, also encourages me with the thought that the body of Christ will grow stronger as the generations work together. The more that we as different generations, the more that we as a body of Christ interact with each other and with God at the same time, the more benefit to the body of Christ as a whole. We have a great opportunity for that at Westchester. Hosea's challenge to older generations is to never view yourselves as done being a teacher and a model. You can retire from work, but I don't want you to retire from being a disciple or a discipler. I don't want you to retire from being a model for this group of kids that I work with, right? And and my age as well. Hosea wants you to be a teacher and a role model your entire life. And whether you realize it or not, people like this group sitting here look up to you and learn from you and see the way that you're modeling Christ-like behavior. Now don't let that scare you or make you feel inadequate because God has given us the tools that we need to be good role models and to be good examples. He has given us the Holy Spirit. Now as we look at this, I don't want you to think that we are doing a bad job as a church at this, but I think we can always be doing better. There are multiple times and stories that I could tell about people of an older generation than I ministering alongside of me, with me, encouraging me, helping me grow. It's so often that I I couldn't even begin to count them. And yet, we can all be doing it. And I would encourage all of us that all of us need to be thinking this way. This is not for those Christians in the body of Christ who really get it, and so that's not me. We all have the Holy Spirit as followers of Christ. We all can be modeling with word and deed. Now to those of the younger generation, I think this passage in Hosea is pointing out that we should not be passive. We should actively be pursuing the older generations. We can learn from them. And we can see and experience things through their experience, which then help us to be spurred on to Christ likeness. Now, we are all going to struggle with either a lack of or forgotten knowledge of God. And another encouragement to me is that we have the body of Christ, and that's going to help us fill those gaps. Even as I was preparing this sermon, I was speaking to someone this week about how, how do we deal with forgotten knowledge and what does that look like? And And the words that they said really, I think, spoke to me as well. And I wanted to share just a little bit about what they said, because it is mirrored in my life as well. I lead a lot of missions trips with these students. Um, In fact, I'm leading one to Haiti in March. And I love the trips. And when we're there, it's great. But I get a little nervous and panicky about travel. Uh, It's my least favorite thing. I'm not satisfied until we're there. I don't like it. I've had bad experiences in the past. Yet, even in that, I have forgotten the knowledge of what's in God's word. He is sovereign. His plan is good. Those things are going to be taken care of. And I also forget the many, many times that he has kept us safe. And that he does have his will being done correctly. And his plan is being fulfilled. Right? So even when we have three popped tires or miss airplanes, God is still in control. And so I forget that. And so, just being reminded of that by someone in the body of Christ is exactly what we're looking at here. The body of Christ is going to help fill those gaps. It's so easy for us as individuals to forget about God and the knowledge we have of him and to focus on the temporary pleasures and these things that we desire, to get caught up in sin and to put ourselves or something else in the place of God. Yet, these all lead to hardship and disappointment And it's the body of Christ that can and should be a defense against these things along with the word and our experiences and all these things that we've talked about already. But the body of Christ can and should be the defense against these things. In love and faithfulness, two attributes that God has modeled that the Israelites missed, we can pass on knowledge of who God is and pass on knowledge of proper worship. And how wonderful is it to know That even when we fail, and we will, we will forget, we will worship poorly, even when we fail, we serve a covenant keeping God who is going to honor his end of the covenant even when we don't. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for today. Thank you for extending the life of my voice for just a little bit. We thank you for your word and what it can teach us, and even in these tough passages. We learn so much about you and, and the ways that we can be more like you and, and truths that we can apply. Help us to be a fellowship that is an intentionally generational, that intentionally encourages each other and passes on knowledge of you and proper worship. And we thank you for all of the ways in which we're already doing that. And we know that it is only because of you that we are able to do that and it is your blessings in our lives That we are so thankful for. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.